Kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. God cares about our bodies. That's the one thesis I want to put forward uh, this morning in several forms. It's a thesis that, uh, it's a truth, I should say, that stands in distinction to our um, discarnate tendencies. So we all know the word incarnation, right? God who took on flesh. But I think one of the besetting troubles, actually ever since the fall, but it's especially amplified in our like high technology era, uh, is discarnation. If incarnation is taking on the flesh, discarnation is trying to leave the flesh and trying to um, minimize and, and take leave of it. I think in many ways um, we, are, we have discarnate tendencies. I think in our religion, I think sometimes because we rightly understand our souls to be of eternal value to God, we sometimes place it in competition with our understanding of our bodies as if God didn't care about our bodies, only our souls. Right? It's some of the danger kind of lurking in some of the old revival hymns of, you know, one day I'll fly away. Remember that old song? It's like, there's a truth in that hymn, but if taken too far, we could think that God doesn't care about our bodies as well, but he does. That's actually the great um, lesson we just heard from Exodus chapter 17. The Israelites are in the wilderness. There's no water. You can't go more than three days with water, or two days if you're walking, you know, before you die. And they, and they presume that God doesn't care for them. Is God with us or not? We're just going to die in the desert, right? They knew that God had done this miracle to ransom them, but he's not going to care for our bodily needs. And actually, it was that act of grumbling and disbelief that led to them wandering for 40 years. And what does God do? He provides the, their bodily needs from an unexpected source, right? The rock that Moses hits and the water comes out. Um, and that's why we had that psalm today, um, which ends with, uh, don't be like the Israelites on the day of temptation. What we heard about was the day of testing, the day of temptation, when the Israelites assumed that God wasn't going to care for them bodily. Right, same thing with the disciples in the boat. Jesus calms the storm and he says, you have little faith. Right, the, underte- the subtext there is, God cares about your, your bodily well-being. And I think it's the same thing um, in a moment like our day where the whole world is alight with the fears of this coronavirus and what it could become. This sort of presumption, even among Christians, that maybe that God doesn't care about our bodies. He does. He cares about our bodily life. And that's not a synonym for saying that no one's going to get sick. Right? It's not a synonym for saying no one will die. God cares about our bodies. But in the end, he lets every one of us die, right? One day we're all going to die. That's like the great Ash Wednesday truth that kind of carries us with us uh, through Lent. So caring for his bodies, it's not a health and wealth gospel. It's not a synonym for nothing bad's going to happen. But I think sometimes we, when we find out that it's not like a genie in a lamp, that we can't be guaranteed something from God, we run the other way and think, well, God just must not be involved. No, the truth lies in the middle, right? There's neither this guarantee that no one's going to get sick, nor is there that God has washed his hands and has just left us. He's our maker. He knitted each of you together in your mother's womb. Right? That's why I love Psalm 95. Kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. Right? He cares about your body probably more than most of us care about our own bodies. 
And I love the tenderness of this language from Psalm 95. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Right? I, I never cared for sheep, but I imagine if I owned a sheep, I would make sure it got enough food and water to stay alive. Right? We are the sheep of his hand. He cares about our bodies. Against our discarnate tendencies in religion. I think we have discarnate tendencies in our worship. Again, hearing a truth like we heard in John chapter 4, God wants us to worship in spirit and truth. I think we can, over, we can take that as if that's independent of our bodily life. Right? The point to the, to the woman of Samaria is that you don't have to be in a... Remember, Jews could only offer sacrifice in one city on the planet. Jerusalem was the only city. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not going to be in one city anymore. Right? We actually can offer the sacrifice of praise anywhere in the globe, in any church, anytime two or three are gathered. So we worship in spirit and truth, but that doesn't mean our bodies um, don't matter. Right? We, have this, we have this sort of disincarnate tendency. We hear that and we're like, okay, I guess it doesn't matter about your body. And we make worship this act of the head, right? rationality, without the body. Again, different than the psalmist who would say, kneel before the Lord our maker. Not a metaphor, right? Literally, kneel before him. I think I was a decade in as a Christian before I realized that people actually kneeled. It was so often used as like this metaphor, like, yeah, you got to get on your knees about that one. as like a metaphor. It's like, no, it's, it's not a metaphor. Literally, get on your knees and, and pray. And I think what we see here is, um, as Thomas Aquinas said, we are, uh, and C.S. Lewis, we are embodied souls. That our soul and our body are connected. And that when we actually make our body get on its knees, we're teaching our soul something about being humble, right? It's hard to be kind of proud when you're physically on your knees praying. Um, so against a discarnate tendency, we actually are to use our bodies in worship. That's why Anglicanism has so much standing up and sitting, sitting and kneeling down. It's because we're worshiping God with our bodily acts, right? And our acts corresponding to what we're doing. When we're pleading with God, we're on our knees praying. When we're sort of receiving the word, we're sort of sitting kind of the way you'd sit for a meal, right? You sit for a meal. And we receive the meal, the food that's better than earthly food of the word, the food of the sacrament. We stand to worship uh, in, a, in an act of reverence. Um, and it, it's against our discarnate, it's because of our discarnate tendencies in worship that um, I don't want to live stream church, even though all the churches are doing that. Um, I see what they're getting at. But church is like the last thing in this sort of crazy technological era where like it kind of matters that you're in your body to show up. And I'm actually, I give my blessing to everyone who didn't come today. And I know they're going to listen to this sermon. I don't want anyone in this parish to get sick and die. I don't want that to happen. And so I'm glad that folks who are at risk have stayed away. I really am. But I don't want to then sort of try and create something that's like, well, this is as good as coming to church. You know, just watch from the comfort of your own home. It's like, no, far better than watching a live stream of church would be just gathering in your house with whoever else lives in your house and praying morning prayer together, right? To be in spirit where you are in body and not to be one place with your body and somewhere else with your mind, like watching through a screen. Well, my body's here in my living room, but my mind is there, you know, at 2312 20, Center Hill. You know, no, your bodies and minds in the same place to not feed the, our discarnate tendencies. We're discounted in our understanding of ourselves. And I think actually, um, I think coronavirus has actually smashed this. 
And, and I think that's even a useful fallout of this terrible thing that's in our midst. When you think about, when I think back just to two weeks ago, before anyone was really thinking about coronavirus seriously, in our day, I feel like all, more and more of our attention week by week is going into these virtual realities, right? Curated self-presentations on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat or whatever, you know, is the next social media platform that I don't know exists yet. Um, but it's this online thing, so much time living in a disembodied existence. You know, all the stuff in Silicon Valley is burping out headlines of like, oh, our brains are going to be on computers and artificial intelligence. And it's like, as if we weren't embodied creatures. And all of a sudden, this little virus comes along um, and spreads like wildfire. And all of a sudden, we remember, oh, yeah, we have real bodies. All these big ideas kind of come crashing down. And it's like, oh, yeah, our life is but a breath. Our life hangs in the balance, right? I feel like the whole world has all of a sudden remembered that, that your Facebook life is not your real life, right? But that Facebook life is that part of that problem of discarnation. We're discarnate also in our morality. Um, we assume that if, something, if things are okay in kind of the mind and the intent, well, what happens in the body doesn't really matter. This, that's actually the underwriting uh, idea that, as we heard in Romans 1 is our own day, this sort of approval and support of uh, homosexuality in every way. Right? To say, well, it doesn't matter what you do, actually do with your body. You know, as long as you're loving and not hurting anybody with your mind. And God's morality is different than that. Right? For, for God, he, because he cares about the body as well as the soul, they can't be disconnected. What you do in your body is part of your obedience to God. We're to obey. What are we supposed to love the Lord your God with, as we hear every Sunday? Or your heart, mind, Soul, <laughs> this is a terrible blooper to have. And body, I think body's its strength, I think, is in there. But that's the strength of your body. Um, but we're to love God with our bodies. We're to honor him and his commands with our bodies. Um, so that, that's part of what, it's, it's disincarnation, which would say, well, it doesn't matter what you do in the privacy of your own home, or that bodies can be altered however you think they should be according to your interior perception of yourself. Right? That's a discarnate view of humanity. God offers us something different. What does he offer? The incarnation. Right? The incarnation is this marvelous fact because it's God who didn't have human nature, who takes on human nature, human flesh, the incarnation. Christ is the only one who can lead us back to true humanity. Right? God became man so that we could become truly human. That since Adam and the fall of Adam, and especially in this like late technology age, we're fragmented, divided people living in screens and Facebooks and phones. And, and Christ is saying, no, he wants us to be one thing, a soul in a body obeying him and loving our neighbor. Right? You can't really love your neighbor through Facebook. Right? Um, we can only fulfill God's vision for our lives in, in our bodies. And only Christ can lead us back to ourselves. It's one of the great joys of being a Christian in this <clears throat> Facebook era is that against the tide of culture that is becoming increasingly discarnate, we, we value, we receive God's, the way he made it, that our bodies matter to him, matter matters, and that we honor God with our bodies and our minds and live with our bodies and don't try and pretend that that's not the case. And part of that means also um, being honest about mortality, right? When you realize you live in a body, you're like, man, this thing is wasting away, right? Slowly but surely, it needs food every day, it needs water every day, um, and as we get older, with every ache and pain, 
Um, Karen, Lucy's godmother, was just telling me she turned 50, and that day it was like, oh, no. <laughs> All these experts. Sorry to embarrass you there, Karen. But I know uh, the others of you who aren't 50 yet, apparently it's coming very soon. Um, um, but it's actually, it, again, it's that Christian middle way to say the body is not nothing and it's not everything, it's just something. Right? We, don't, we also don't sort of take the body and be like, oh, this is the most important thing. I need to be so anxious about my diet that I make sure I live to 90. It's like, well, eating well is important. That's good stewardship. Um, but the body is not everything either. But it's as important as God says that it is, that he cares for it, that his commandments affect it. Right? That I have dear friends who are attracted to the same sex. And they've read Romans 1 and they say, well, that's what God's command is. Then I can't act on that. And that's an, a, an act of submission of the flesh to the spirit, a powerful act of obedience that actually I think same-sex attracted Christians are actually shaming the rest of the church in a good way. They're calling us higher because they're making a big sacrifice to say, I'll never act out on my sort of romantic attractive feelings in my heart. They'll never get expression out of obedience. Right? And I look at sort of opposite-sex attracted Christians who are not holding themselves to that same high standard of what does the law, what does God's word say about how, what I'm supposed to do with this, right? Marriage and marriage only, nothing before, nothing with anyone else when you're married, right? That, um, to honor God with our bodies in this way. Um, I, I just want to conclude to say, um, you know, in the same way that to honor spirit and body are not competitive, God calls us to obey with both and to honor both. Uh, I'm so grateful that you've come to church today, even as I'm blessed, and I bless those who have not come to church for their reasons. Um, because gathering in the flesh cannot be replaced. And the folks who are at home know that. You know, it's a, they're bound to not be able to come. Uh, and they can't wait till sort of either a vaccine's developed or something till this thing is gone, one way or another, God willing, to be able to come back. Um, and so we never let go of that. That's Staying away from church is the exception. The norm is Gathering is the incarnate church to worship the incarnate Lord. That's how it works. All glory to him who took on our flesh to save our flesh and our souls. Amen.